Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, we've got a lot of ground to cover in the fastest 60 minutes of radio. As we actually try to help you slow things down, divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, connect the dots, and help you make the news make sense. And uh, we've got a special show for you today as we focus and continue to focus on 2020 hindsight, some hindsight from the year that was 2020, and also some insight moving into 2021. And uh, we're going to do that in a number of ways, and we want you to join in. Uh, share with us your hindsight or your insight. You can do that on the Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line at 57500. The year 2020. Special coverage on Inside Sources. Well, let's get into our conversation about uh, both the hindsight and the insight coming from the year that was 2020. Very pleased to be joined by our good friend and independent pollster Scott Rasmussen joining us from Florida today. Scott, how are you? Well, I'm doing great, Boyd. I hope you had a great Christmas and are set for a good new year. 2021 is going to be wonderful. It is going. It is going to be wonderful. Let's uh, let's stick with that theme. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you had the opportunity over the course of 2020 uh, to look not just at the at the politics of everything, but more importantly, uh, you are someone who is focused on really understanding the sentiment of the American people. What's on their minds? What's in their hearts? What's driving them? So, as you look back on a very tumultuous 2020. Uh, give us a little bit of hindsight uh, in terms of what you learned about the American people and about our politics as uh, as we made our way through a, a really crazy election year. Well, you know, the first thing that uh, I think is important to understand is that uh, a year ago at this time, uh, none of us had any idea what was just around the corner. Uh, and when the pandemic first began, I was living in Manhattan and uh, a lot of people were kind of laughing at Manhattan. You know, we were the place that was was sick and everybody else was going to be OK. And of course, it didn't turn out that way. But what the polling showed uh, early on was that when um, when the pandemic first struck and the lockdowns began, people thought it would be over by Memorial Day. Right. The, the notion that this would hang on through the summer and become a way of life uh, just didn't exist. And now uh, a significant number of people, about one out of six, believe we're going to still have the lockdowns and social distancing and masks into 2022, at least. Mm. So there has been a, a, pers- a shift in the idea that the pandemic was a short-term fluke into perhaps, uh, you know, a way of life for a period. And uh, I think what we're also seeing is people treat it seriously but there is the beginning of uh, uh, perhaps uh, saying yes to the rules with your lips and saying no with your actions. Uh, we're seeing a lot more people who 
you know, it doesn't mean they're being socially irresponsible, but they're not following the rules as precisely as they would have. I think for some, it was a case of uh, it was a few months we can deal with it. And the summer came and we were outside and we're not going back again to the way of the lockdown. So I think we're going to see a lot of that tension in the coming year. Um, and, of course, there was a presidential election. A little thing in there. And yeah. <laughs> a little thing. And uh, what what struck me most uh, this year, normally in an election year, uh, when you ask people who they expect to win a particular election, um, it's pretty influenced by what the polls are saying. Right. Um, we didn't see that this year. Uh, a lot of supporters of the president simply – uh, believed the myth that the polls missed it in 2016, so they didn't believe any of the data, and um, and and right up to election day, they were convinced that their man was going to be reelected. And and uh, I, you know, this is something I'll say that I I know will get uh, pushback from people on both sides of the aisle, but the experience of the Trump fans in 2020 being sure of victory was very similar to what the Hillary Clinton supporters went through in 2016. Fascinating. That's a, that's a really interesting piece of hindsight there that I don't think anybody's really been talking about. I think that's true in terms of uh, the perception and what people were expecting going into election night anyway, uh, in, uh, you know, all the way back to Hillary Clinton there. So I think that's a, that's a fascinating piece. Uh, I, I want to shift gears a little bit and get to, into some, uh, some insight and even some foresight rolling Forward, you've written a, a series of pieces really talking about uh, leadership and what that's going to look like or what that's going to take uh, to uh, to actually lead the country. Uh, share with us just a little bit of that insight, because I think it's crucial up and down the ballot and uh, and across the board in our communities that are rolling into 2021. Yeah, you know, the first thing uh, I wrote a column uh, for the Deseret News earlier in, in a pre-election phase in which uh, I, I suggested that. Um, America will be all right no matter who wins this presidential election. And and basically, partisans on both sides rejected that idea. Uh, I also wrote a column in the pre-election phase saying that there was going to be a legitimacy crisis coming out of this election. And, and the reason was because of the mismatch between Democrats voting by mail and Republicans voting in person, all those sorts of things. And right now we're beginning to experience this. Uh, Politics is going to be broken uh, throughout the coming years. Uh, I think Joe Biden's presidency is likely to be just a transition period. And what we have to recognize is uh, it's not Joe Biden or the president who comes after him that determines where we are going. It is going to be where the culture leads us. And and the next great leader will be someone who can uh, understand instinctively where the people are. We'll never have a president again who was born before the digital revolution um, and somebody who can take the country and understand where people are feeling uh, hurt, where they're feeling optimistic and move us closer to America's founding ideals. Uh, the first thing they'll avoid is we have to get through to January 20th. And uh, I've been trying to offer a reality check to everybody that will listen. Uh, supporters of the president need to understand the election is over. Uh, Joe Biden's victory will be confirmed on January 6th. Um, he will be inaugurated on January 20th. And, you know, if, if you don't like that result or if you don't think it's the proper thing, uh, you still have to face the reality that that is where we are heading. Um, and I think on the other side, uh, 
you know, there's a lot of talk among the, le- the people on the left who are kind of mocking the deplorables again, just like Hillary right. Clinton did four years ago. Um, and they're suggesting that the Trump refusal to accept these election results, uh, their fans' uh, refusal is, is unprecedented. Actually, it happened in 2016. I mean, the right. Democrats talked of impeaching Trump before he even took office. Uh, Hillary Clinton herself called the president illegitimate as recently as 2020. Um, What we have is a problem in our political system that nobody trusts the election process right now. Two elections in a row, we've got about a third of the people thinking the wrong person was declared the winner. Um, This is something our political system is going to have to address. Um, And then they're going to have to, rather than trying to make the people follow the image of what politicians think they should behave like, Uh, the politicians will have to follow where the American people want to lead. Love that. Great insight, as always. Scott Rasmussen, have a uh, happy new year. We look forward to working with you on some great polling here in the state of Utah with the Deseret News and Hinckley Institute of Politics poll and some things nationally as well. Uh, You have a happy new year, and we'll uh, catch you uh, on the other side next week. Happy New Year, Boyd. All right. Very good. We're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, more insight and hindsight from 2020 from Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Year 2020 special coverage on Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you today, and we are continuing our look back for some 2020 hindsight from 2020 and a little insight moving into 2021. And uh, very pleased to be joined now by the mayor of our capital city, Salt Lake City, Aaron Mendenhall. Mayor, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here with you, Boyd. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Well, as uh, as you took office just a little over a year ago, um, I'm sure there were a couple of things that were probably not on your list of <laughs> <laughs> things that you would focus on or deal with in just in 2020. Uh, but give us a give us a, a moment or two uh, in hindsight of 2020 uh, that maybe some lessons learned there. Yeah. I, well, gratitude first of all. Mm. I'm I'm still. Uh, grateful to be in this role. (laughs) It hasn't been beaten out of me yet, but really gratitude for the people of Salt Lake City and who work for Salt Lake City Corporation because um, our ability to function well under pressure was tried many times this year, sometimes shaking us out of bed and demanding it, um, sometimes through, you know, shouts on the streets, um, through different trials uh, from, you know, canine issues we've had in our police department to a inland hurricane yeah. um, and some incredible storms. So it's it's been a, an awesome thing to watch the people of Salt Lake City, both those who are public servants working for our residents and businesses and the people themselves, with true altruism, you know, coming to work to serve 
and um, and then working differently the next day sometimes where we say <laughs> we have to do this completely differently. And they've been able to innovate and continue to serve, not missing even uh, a garbage pickup on Earthquake Day, you know, yeah. being able to keep at it. So I've, I'm very grateful. And um, the character, there's, there's many good adages that talk about how trial doesn't create character, it exposes and reveals it. And I think that's been the beauty of this year through all the, the tragedy and loss. Yeah. Um, it, it's been beautiful to see our people shine. Yeah, it, it has been amazing to see in that uh, just that resiliency uh, is mm-hmm. is so inspiring and uh, gives us so many things to think about. And I, I think if there was a, a real mantra for the year, it was, you know, get used to different <laughs> because, as you said, sometimes it was yeah. on consecutive days. It was different. Yes. And, and I like the way I appreciate the writing you've been doing around resiliency. And, and it, it for me, it resonates with something that I've tried to practice for a long time, which is being comfortable with that fringe of comfort. <laughs> you know, we, we really like to settle into the most yeah. comfortable way of being, but from an emotional, logistical job standpoint, and it's hard to put yourself out there and get comfortable with that edge of your comfort, but that's where growth happens. Sometimes the world forces us to that edge, and we've, we've experienced a lot of that this year. Um, but We've also grown in tremendous ways, and and I think as we talk about you know getting back to normal, I don't think we really will go mm-hmm. back. I think we've evolved through this to a new way of being in many ways, um, and and I think that gratitude needs to continue. There's a tendency, and I feel it too, to take 2020 like the calendar I'm about to throw away off my wall and say, that's it. We're done. It's, it's over. Yeah. All this tr- the drama and the change and the crises. But the reality is, you know, it, it's, the world is going to continue um, probably for some time. Yeah. And, and we'll never know how quickly we're going to have to change with it. So yeah. let's stay on our toes and let's stay hopeful and let's stay ready to move in a new direction at the, uh, the next wind that comes through literally or figuratively. Yeah, so important. And uh, I, I know there were so many things over the course of the year. I think there are a lot of people who are kind of ready to shout good riddance uh, <laughs> to the mm-hmm. year and, uh, and ring that in. And yet there was also, uh, I have talked to so many people, especially in the last few weeks, uh, who have had a chance to to kind of be still for a minute and go to that place of gratitude that you've been talking about, Mayor, and and really say, you know what, there were some things that happened this year that I am so grateful for. Like, I never would have done this with my kids, or I never would have done this with my career, or I never would have, you know, made this change in my life. Uh, what are some of the things that you hope, in terms of some insight, what, do you, what are some of the things you hope that we carry forward with us coming out of 2020? Yeah, there, there's definitely a list of those uh, that my family and I have been making hangs on the wall in our kitchen, things that we're grateful for this year that we want to keep going with. But in terms of the city and the community, we've achieved some astonishing transformation um, that ends up having an air quality impact for us. Mm. It's ended up having a transportation and transit impact, positives and negatives. Um, But it's shown us that what we thought would take probably years to achieve in terms of a teleworking and a more dynamic way of doing public service, even electronically, that we did it in a matter of days. And 
we've seen a, an incredible benefit in quality of life for lots of our employees. About half of our employees are frontline workers, at least. And you know that we have a police department, fire department, 911 dispatch, public services, utilities, the water folks. There's a lot of people who don't get to telework. Um, and it's important that we thank them as much yeah. as we can thank our first responders. Uh, but for those employees who are teleworking, they don't want to go back. The vast majority of Salt Lake City's uh, thousands of employees who are teleworking now say they want a hybrid approach going forward. And, and we're hearing that from other companies. Yeah, so sure. I think who is in our high rises? There's six high rises coming up in our downtown that are either under construction right now or on the horizon. And more beyond that, how they'll be occupied, I think, is something we never would have dreamed a year ago. Um, and, and that's exciting yeah. because Salt Lake City's economy is going to keep growing as our population throughout the state is going to keep growing. And I think it opens up opportunities around more tech innovation, healthcare innovation, being able to find space that has been really difficult to come by in the past. Yeah, uh, so important. Uh, one one last thing I want to get to, Mayor, before I let you go today. And uh, if you're just joining us, we have Mayor Aaron Mendenhall on the line. We're talking about our hindsight from 2020 and some insight for 2021 uh, I was talking with a, an entrepreneur the other day who described this great opportunity that came to their organization, and it only came because their organization had had major setbacks, major failures, and, and they were in this humble place. And mm-hmm. the, the partner they ended up connecting with had also just had a, a big setback and a failure. And he said the most fascinating thing, he said, humility creates space for creativity and cooperation, uh, and said that they they never would have come together if they were both just continuing, you know, on a successful string. But the fact that they were humbled uh, created space for this really cool opportunity to come forward. Uh, as you look at the year, uh, you've seen many opportunities where that humility and just that recognition of, hey, we're not in control of everything, uh, really created some fabulous right. opportunities for the city and for the people. Right. And, and anybody who's listening and didn't read that piece you wrote about a week ago on that collaboration, go back and read it because there's a lot of good life lessons in that. I appreciate it. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I think that the the true essence of public service at any level of government is being responsive to your community and listening to the community. And we've heard from more people this year in almost every way in at for Salt Lake City than we have ever in the past. Wow. Um, from 16,000 more calls to 911 for service than we had the year before to public hearings that lasted longer than we've ever had in the past that even went into the next day. So the community is speaking and it has been, um, it, every day of this job is humbling, but I think the the real opportunity and the innovations that we need are being created by our communities themselves. And so government, I hope, and leadership that I look for at all levels, um, in, in, including grassroots community organizers, nonprofit organizations, is leadership that acknowledges we don't have all the answers. Yeah. And we need you desperately as a community to be engaged in the conversations that are shaping the way we live tomorrow. And, uh, you know, crises bring those kind of conversations together. We need to keep that going into the future and extend the table of dialogue, not just pull up another chair. I mean, build a larger table. Ah, love that. Love that. Mayor Aaron Mendenhall, we appreciate your leadership, and uh, you're really reflecting what we talked to uh, Scott Rasmussen about a little earlier, 
the leadership that actually reflects where the people are and where the uh, organization, the city, the community needs to go. We appreciate your social grace. We appreciate your grit and uh, your leadership of our city in a crazy 2020. And uh, wish you a happy new year and look forward to some more great conversations uh, moving into 2021. Thank you, Boyd. Happy New Year. And I I hope everybody might be able to not take the calendar off the wall and and just uh, put a bow on 2020 to say goodbye. I think we're still learning. And and thank you for the kind of dialogue and writing that helps us continue exploring those edges. Thanks so much. All right. Uh, Happy New Year to you, Mayor. Thanks, Thanks again. All right, we'll go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we'll continue our exploration. We're going to have Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics. He's going to join us for a political perspective on the year that was. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. The Year 2020. Special coverage on Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, and we are continuing our look back 2020 hindsight from the year 2020 and some insight rolling into 2021, uh, which is vital to us as always. And so we are going to our Inside Sources today, and our next Inside Source is the ultimate Utah Inside Source, Jason Perry, who's the Vice President of Government Relations and Director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics up at the University of Utah. Also, our uh, tag team partner with the Deseret News and the Hinckley Institute of Politics uh, for polling uh, that we do here in the state of Utah. Jason, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, boys. So good to be with you today. Hey, as as you look back at uh, 2020 uh, from your perch there at uh, the University of Utah from the Hinckley Institute, uh, what were some of the, uh, the the takeaways? What were some of the lessons learned? Uh, some of that hindsight, uh, as it was just uh, obviously a crazy year in so many ways, uh, but an interesting year when it comes to a lot of uh, Utah politics. That is so true. Uh, I'll tell you when I look back. Um, I'm going to say this is the year of participation uh, for people mm-hmm. in the state. What, what's interesting at the Hinckley Institute of Politics, you know, we have that name at the end where it says of politics. Sometimes we get students that come into our into our office about internships or something like that, and they say, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't really love politics. And I say, just so you know, politics is part of every bit of life. And I think that's what we found out this past year as a country, certainly as a state of Utah, is there's a piece of politics in every single aspect of our lives. And it's going to occur whether we love it or not. And a lot of people decided that this is the year they're going to pay attention and get engaged. Oh, I love that that uh, that participation that that engagement that we've all been calling for for so long. Uh, people really got that, and uh, I love the fact that you you question the politics side of it. Uh, people are often surprised when they ask me about politics because I usually say, "Oh, I hate politics," uh, and they and they kind of the laugh and chuckle. I say, "No, no, no, I I love people, I love principles, and I love policy, and, and the politics is just uh, how you get at that." And uh, you you yeah, saw that play right. out this year. Well, that's exactly the, the point, Boyd, is you start looking at the aspects of our lives. And, and, and a lot of people like, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable, which is, which is what, you know, I was going to quote the great Boyd Matheson because you've, <laughs> you've, wrote, you've, you've written about it. You said it on the Hinckley Report when you've been a guest. But this is about learning how to disagree in better ways. And, and sometimes it's, it's how we engage. 
We need to become more comfortable in engaging and having those uncomfortable conversations because people are making decisions on our behalf and we have to get engaged in it, even if it's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, so important, so important. Uh, so I want to get some of your insight uh, in terms of the interesting dynamics this year, because there's uh, there's always the the regular tumult of uh, of an election year, especially a big election year with a gubernatorial race and presidential races and on down the ballot. Uh, you throw in a uh, a pandemic and an earthquake and a hurricane and a, and a few other things. How did that impact the politics uh, in the state of Utah during 2020? Well, that's what's interesting. There, I, I almost can't think of a single thing it did not impact uh, when it comes to politics and into our lives. You know, when, when you look at what it's brought into focus for us, uh, you, you look at the things that matter most for us, you know, the things about our families, about our jobs, about our kids being able to go to school. Uh, every single thing right here that we care about most in our lives is being impacted in some way at a political level. And and we're able to, to see it more clearly now, but realize that, well, I, I'm not sure I understood exactly who was making these decisions on my behalf, that this COVID experience has brought that into focus from the vaccines to the masks, to our, our places of employment, even down to whether or not our kids can go to school uh, in person or not. We found out, hey, wait, for a long time, we didn't even know who, are, who we were voting for, a member of our school board. All of a sudden, we're realizing, wait, these are the people yeah. that are deciding if our kids go to school or not? I think that's the most important part about this, and you realize politics is part of everything, and it is in clearer focus now than it has ever been. Uh, man, my mind just keeps going back to your statement that this is the year of participation. I had not I had not thought of it in that way. I love that uh, as a key takeaway from the year uh, that it is that participation uh, that more people did engage and more people need to engage uh, at a different level. And, and so as you look at the, the year ahead, as we roll into to 2021, uh, give us what's on your radar. What are you watching for? And what do you hope we take with us coming out of uh, 2020 that we can apply to some of these new challenges and new opportunities in 2021? Well, one of the things I hope is that is that this this engagement that is this kind of a, a front of mind is something that continues. I'll, I'll tell you, boy, this was something that was so interesting uh, this past year. It used to be you didn't see like a protest very often. You know, it would be like, you know, just some really extreme sort of thing. But our, our community has got to the point now where we say, hey, well, maybe we need to gather. We need to have our collective voices be heard. And I hope that is something we see going forward into into this next year as well, is we keep that top of mind, uh, you know, we need to stay active in the process, because uh, as, as it comes to our voting, but when it also comes to just our participation in the community, I hope that's one thing that comes forward. And, and that's kind of as a foundation. And the second part, what I hope to see, too, is, is that we, 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 we emerge from this pandemic more, more collectively connected in some way, that we realize that these are issues that impact all of us. And uh, the polarization that has existed, let's, let's, let's lessen that. Let's become less polarized. We don't, need to, we don't need to disengage or not advocate for our positions, but it'd be so good if we realize we're all trying to get someplace together. And the things that unite us are, are bigger than the things that bring us apart, and which focus on those. Oh, so, so important that uh... – uh, a difference in opinion is not a difference in principle necessarily uh, and being open to those conversations. Uh, last question for you, Jason, uh, before I let you go. Uh, and I know you start your New Year's uh, parties really early at your house, so uh, <laughs> I, I know you got to warm up. Uh, 
but as you look at uh, even just next week, uh, we'll have a new governor sworn in. Uh, Governor-elect uh, Cox will be uh, put into office. We'll have a new member of Congress uh, the day after that uh, back in Washington uh, with Burgess Owen. And things going to continue to, uh, to change and evolve. Uh, Joe Biden will be sworn in on the 20th. Uh, as you look at that moving forward and Utah's unique place uh, in the country, how do you see that playing out in 2021? We've talked about this before. You and I have, Boyd. You've talked about it in the air. There is a, a Utah way uh, to policy. And I think that it has, that has become very even more clear over this past year. Mm-hmm. And with all of these changes in our government, with very you know high-quality people in these particular positions, I think you're going to see this rise that Utah has had in terms of its influence and its uh, – its ability to really affect change and policy to become even wider on a more national stage. You're going to see Utah, not just as a fast-growing state, but as a state that thinks about things in the right way, becoming even more important on the national stage. We've already been punching above our weight class for a while, but that's going to become more and more clear as the days go by, particularly into this next year. Fantastic. Jason Perry, Vice President of Government Relations and Director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics up at the University of Utah. Jason, always appreciate your hindsight and your insight and your foresight (laughs) and we're going to tap into that a lot in the new year (laughs) that sounds great boy you're great thanks for having me today all right very good we'll step aside for a quick commercial break when we come back we'll round out our uh, hindsight and foresight from 2020 stay with us here on ksl news radio much more to come inside sources inside sources the year 2020 special coverage on inside sources welcome back everyone final segment of inside sources today our special look back looking for some 2020 hindsight from the year that was 2020 and some insight that we can take with us into 2021 so as the curtain comes down on uh, what can easily be described as a tumultuous 2020 Uh, Many have taken to social media to bid the year adieu or perhaps, as we were talking with Mayor Mendenhall, a good riddance, a very emphatic good riddance. Uh, The challenge, the challenges that we've had in 2020 have fostered all kinds of sentiment sentiments online. Uh, And there was one meme in particular that my wife, Debbie, sent to me and to my family the other day. uh, And it asked this question. Does anyone feel troubled by the fact that the name of next year is literally... 2021 W O N. <laughs> so to be clear, uh, it didn't win. 2020 didn't win. And 2021 uh, is going to be a chance for all of us to win. Uh, the events of the year may have humbled citizens, uh, organizations, even governments and nations have been humbled in 2020. And the year 2020 has caused many citizens to, to question leaders. Others have lost confidence in their neighbors Many have lost confidence in themselves. And portions of 2020 revealed some of the the worst of humanity. Flaws in our our law enforcement, weaknesses in our criminal justice system, some sinkholes in our civil society. But it's also really important for us to remember that there were some really bright beacons this year of compassion, service, innovation, and commitment to the common good. Those were all lights uh, that are, of course, most powerful in really dark times. It was described as a dark winter year, and there were some really bright lights in the midst of all of that. And so as we turn the page, as we move towards 2021, uh, of course, a new year is always filled with hope, uh, dreams, optimism uh, tends to be renewed. 
And there, there is, there is something that's magical about a fresh start from a new calendar. It has big goals, new re, New Year's resolutions, uh, all those things that we want to do better. For me, the essence of New Year's is contained in a really simple question, and the question is, what if? As in, what if this is the year for all those hopes and dreams to become a reality? And so I kind of look at it this way. If if what if, the question, were a currency for transformational potential and true possibility, uh, I want to share with you some of the things that I would invest a what if on for 2021. So what if? What if 2021 is the year that I actually keep my New Year's resolutions beyond January 21st? That might be a good challenge for all of us. What if I spent uh, less time deciding and more time doing, whether that's at work, at home, or in our relationships? What if I acted on the invitations and the inspiration to to reach out and, and connect and help those around me? What if I spoke less and listened more? What if I was less certain in my opinions and more open to the ideas of others? Or what if I stopped comparing the status of my life to the social media status of somebody else's? What if, what if I read more and watched less? What if I was less consumed with myself and more driven by making a difference for those around me? Uh, here's a big one. Uh, what if I stopped reading and living in my own media bubble and was less worried about regurgitating someone else's talking points on a political discussion and actually thought about it myself. How about this? What if I focused on being a role model instead of a critic? What if I gave my spouse, my children, my family, my friends, my colleagues, and my community members the benefit of the doubt? Or what if I spent my time on the essential priorities that I often claim are most important? What if I was more grateful? What if I actually kept my commitments? What if I decided to slow down more often and determine to purposely, purposefully disconnect from technology? And a simple challenge, what if you did this? What if for one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year, you set the technology aside. What if you did that? Uh, that's a triple dog dare, by the way. You can give that a shot. Uh, now let's look uh, a little broader scale. What if Congress actually did its job and passed a budget so there was no threat of a government shutdown, no fiscal cliffs or any other manufactured crisis? What would happen? What if we rejected the politics of personal destruction and focused on principles and policies and people? What if members of Congress were less worried about re-election and more concerned about doing what's right for the American people? And what if the American people realized that it's community and culture that lead and that the politicians just follow? What if citizens realize that there's much more that unites us as a nation than divides us? What if we recognize that the solution to any problem anywhere, anytime begins when somebody says... Let's talk about it. And what if we all understood that solutions to problems don't emanate from Washington, D.C., but are usually found in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and in our communities? What if everyone engaged in elevated dialogue 
instead of partisan rhetoric. In other words, what if we just disagreed better? What if citizens rejected the false choices regularly served up by our politicians? What if we all expected more, not less, out of our leaders? And then a tough one, of course. What if we expected more out of ourselves? Now, <clears throat> this may seem like an uh, impossible and unrealistic list. But what if we tried anyway? What if we just tried anyway? Uh, one of my favorite quotes from John uh, Greenleaf Whittier, who said, For all sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these. It might have been. And I'm telling you, as you go into the new year and as you look back at the old year, there is nothing more haunting than the phrase, what might have been. Uh, I'm convinced the echo of the what if, that what if unfulfilled uh, rings really long and really loud. And whether that what if is for an individual, whether that what if is for an organization, whether that what if is for a community or for a country, unfulfilled potential is a waste of the world's most prized and natural resource. And so this is the time to take on those what ifs. And I want you to think through that <clears throat> as you roll into your New Year celebration over the next 24 hours. Uh, look at the, the what if list for you. What's on that what if list? Uh, we've given you a lot of ideas today in terms of things you might say, well, what if I did this? What if I did that? And uh, give it a shot. And again, you don't have to have an impossible list or a guilt-inducing list. Uh, but what if? What if we just did it anyway? What if we just changed the way we talk to each other? What if we just changed the way we interact with each other? What if we just changed the way we see each other? What if? And so here's the, the big test. Out of all of these what-ifs, the challenge for each of us individually and for all of us collectively is to take our what-if and make it what is in 2021. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you on KSL News Radio's Inside Sources today. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.